Well, good morning, everyone. Hi, Dr. Pat. Um, I uh, am really delighted to be here. When Joe asked me, I said, are you sure? And he said, yes, I am. Joe was an amazing student, so it's always good when a teacher has an amazing student. But it's also good when someone who is reflecting has an amazing passage to reflect upon. And the end of Romans 8 is, for me, a very amazing passage. Romans 8, um, you've journeyed through in this Easter season. And today, you come to the conclusion, I'm going to make three major points with Romans 8. And the three major points I'm going to make, you've heard Romans 8 um, with with the, mu with the music, but I'm going to highlight, pull out three parts of Romans 8 that I hope you will take with you when you leave today and reflect on them as I have over the course of the next week. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, Paul was not writing that as if to say, well, no one will be, if, if God's for you, no one will be against you. Uh, Paul was a realist, and Paul knew a whole lot better. There will be many people who will be against us. There will be many institutions that will be against us. There will be many everythings that will be against us. But he wrote it to remind us. It's almost like, duh, if God is for us, who cares who is against us? And I call this part of my reflection this morning the past. And the reason I call it the past is I'm reflecting on the past year, a difficult year to be sure. In that past year, we have encountered a worldwide pandemic that I would say, at least occasionally, had many people saying, where is God? Where is God in the midst of this pandemic? Doesn't God care? Why doesn't God eradicate this virus? Why doesn't God make it so that the poor and the elderly don't suffer in too large a proportion to their position in society. What is going on? And for others, they may have looked at the world situation, especially a very contentious national psyche with the election and who's right and who's wrong and if you're not on my side, then you're against me. And if I'm not on your side, you're against. And all of this, it seems like everything is against us. From natural types of events, such as pandemics, and fires in California, and tsunamis, and earthquakes, and hurricanes, all of which are taking lives 
to the human manifestations of free will gone awry with wars and insurrections and interpersonal violence and domestic abuse and you name it. And where is God? And so I'm not saying that we, it is, you know, that that question would never come up. For many good believers, people would say, come on, God, come on, we've had enough already, we've had enough. But it is precisely in the midst of such events, whether human-made, natural, or undetermined, we don't know, it is precisely then that we need to remember that God is for us. Because if we don't remember that God is for us, we're doomed. We will go down faster than a boat with a hole in the bottom. Because look at the world. What do we have if we do not have God? And if we have God, it means that we are in right relationship with God. And that means we realize that despite it all, God is for us. When Jesus came, he did not promise um, a stress-free life. When Jesus came, he did not say, believe in me and nothing bad's going to happen. You're good. No, Jesus said, if anyone wishes to be my disciple, let him take up his cross and follow me. That's what Jesus said. And so he promises us that we will be his friends, not his servants, if we do what he would have us do. Paul is aware of this, and he understands that if God is for us, why be concerned with what is against us? Because we understand, at least in part, what awaits us. The second movement of this takes a little longer, and I call it the present, and it's verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. And you only have to turn on the news to hear each one of these described in great detail, not occasionally, but every single day. There are people starving in certain parts of the world and even in our own country. The violence in our nation, especially in our large cities, the sword is ever-present. Tribulation and distress 
again, the last year and continuing into the present, talks about that. It screams it into our, not only our ears, but into our minds and our hearts as we hear the death toll go up from the pandemic, as we hear the death toll rise from violence on the streets of our cities and jurisdictions, as we hear about people who are economically distressed because they've lost a job, they cannot find another job, the rent is due, they've got mouths to feed. There are people who are in constant danger, whether from strangers who want to rob them or hurt them, or from family members with mental disorders who often know not what they do, but their loved ones are in danger nonetheless. And their loved ones being in danger makes the world a scary place. And let's face it, even for those of us who are firm believers, the world can be a very scary place. If you have young children, or you're related to young children, you shake your head and wonder what kind of world these children are going to inherit. If you look at the economics of what the pandemic has done to us, you wonder what is the future going to hold for families who are struggling to pay off uh, bills, educational bills, are striving to pay the rent, are striving to just make ends meet. And then there is the world situation. This is just thinking locally. As members of the body of Christ, we are called to think far more than locally because the world is, belongs to God too. God is sovereign over the whole world and everyone in the world belongs to God. Look at the condition of the world. There are wars in so many different places. There is violence towards the most innocent, the young, the poor, um, kidnappings, uh, bombs, things that a few years ago were kind of way out there and now they move ever closer to us. In an era that we are in, there is such a thing as cyber crimes, and perhaps you heard that there was a crime against um, the pipeline that supplies the East Coast with its fuel, and the pipeline has been shut down. How many will that hurt? It's an international type of thing. And so when we think about this, we think, well, Paul had no idea what we're going through. Paul, 
Paul, Paul didn't have a clue of what tribulation really was. But I assure you, the tribulation that Paul understood was every bit as scary as the tribulation that we face. Paul lived in a land that was occupied by a foreign power that would kill and crucify people, not just Jesus, but the capital punishment of the day was crucifixion uh, for being a negative towards the occupiers. And I don't mean negative as in marching. Even saying something could get you crucified. Distress. The average lifespan at that time was in the high 30s, maybe, or low 40s. Disease killed people. Hunger killed people. All sorts of things that we've conquered in terms of diseases. We're just taking them out. And they had robbers in those days. They had people who had evil in their thoughts and in their hearts. They had mental illness in those days. Mental illness, the term may be modern, but the reality is ancient. All of this was there so that the tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword was there. And yet, Paul was inspired to say, do you think this is enough to separate you from the love of Christ? Do you really think this is enough? No. No. This seems scary. He doesn't say that, but I'm sure he would agree. This seems scary in the short run. In the long run, it will pass. In the short run, however, you have to keep your eyes focused on God, on Christ. You have to keep reminding yourself that nothing, none of these things will separate you from the love of God and the love of Christ. Nothing. But I pause here because, in truth, it is difficult to keep that in the forefront of our mind. Not too long ago, you know, the, the COVID pandemic, even though I'm a physician, I didn't know anybody who had died of COVID. And then a colleague, a medical colleague at Mercy Hospital died. And it hit me really hard. And then one of my own relatives died. Someone who's younger than I am died. On this Mother's Day, her family will not have their mother. They will be grieving the loss of her about a month ago. And so there are days that 
we quake. There are days that it's not easy to say, if God is for us, who is against us? Who cares? It isn't going to matter. In the here and now, we are humans. We have flesh. We are not angels, and this is not heaven. It strikes us as massive. And we often go to bed and, and toss and turn at night and say, how much longer? How much longer is this going to go on? Gee, I just wish life could go back to the way it was. Life does not go back to the way it was. Because the world is in a different place. And it was in a different place when Paul wrote his words. And when Paul wrote his words, I mean, several hundred years later, there was the fall of the Roman Empire, the mighty Roman Empire fell. And the people in Paul's time would have thought that was incomprehensible. The occupying force get falling? No way. To be replaced by the so-called barbarians, which was in many ways even worse. So the present is what we have. And there's no sense sugarcoating it. To say that, we, that these terrible things do not separate us from the love of Christ is not sugarcoating. It's reality to say these things exist. Sugarcoating is saying, oh, they're not so bad. It is bad. It is bad to watch people die. It is bad to watch people sob because they're grieving. It is bad to watch people wonder where their next meal is coming from or, will, or whether anyone will ever love them again because they're scared and they don't know. But if God is for us, who can be against us? And so the third movement of what I want to reflect upon this morning is the last two lines of what you heard. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The future. We know the trials and tribulations we have today. We don't know what we will have in the future. But Paul is telling the Romans, and because this is inspired word telling us today, it doesn't really matter what comes. It will be scary, but it won't separate you from the love of Christ. The love of Christ is so strong that it conquers all. God is love. 1 John chapter 4 tells us that. God is love. 
And although in our human minds we would like to see that love um, manifested by taking all these trials and tribulations away. If you really love us, Lord, kill off those viruses and take those enemies and, as Psalm 139 say, kind of get rid of those enemies for us, and then it's all going to be really good. But that's not the way it generally works. And we have to stay steadfast in what, in what we believe, in what we know here, pardon me, in what we know here, not just what we know up here. Because in the end, love conquers all. I don't mean to jump to another of Paul's letters, but in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 and 13, especially 13, love never fails. It's the same guy who wrote both of these letters. He understands love, and love never fails. So what do we do? What can we do when the days are long, when the days are sad, the days are hard? As Joe mentioned this morning, you heard from Jason last week that God knows us, loves us, loves us in our fears, loves us in our doubts, loves us in our questions, loves us always. And we need to keep that in the forefront. There's no little formula I'm going to give you this morning. There's no little, if you do this, your mental health will stay great. Um, there's no one size fits all, except to allow yourself to believe that you are loved beyond all understanding. To allow yourself to believe that love brought you into being. To allow yourself to be embraced by that love, even in and especially when you're most frightened, you're most angry, you're most questioning, you're most doubting, you're most negative. Because this is the truth. It's easy to love people when everything is going well. All of us have had the experience that when the people who mean the most to us are telling us we're great or we're laughing together, it's not hard to love people. But it's when the going gets rough that love reveals itself to be the force that it is. And God's love, as an 
infinite love has no power, no problem, should say no problem, showing its power. No problem showing its power to those of us who avail ourselves of it. And simply stated, that means to just come before God and say, here I am. I'm scared. I'm angry. I'm wondering where you are. Love me. Love me as you always do and help me to love you in return. And help me to love what you love and not to push it to the side. Not to trivialize it, not to pretend it's unimportant. Help me to see with your eyes, to hear with your ears. Let my heart beat in sync with your heart. Then we will be known as children of the Most High, children of the God who loves us. I said to Joe this morning when we were when he was telling me what was going to happen here, that Psalm 139 was one of my favorites. And actually, I'm switching a tad in finishing. I'm getting close to finishing, music team. Uh, I promised them I would say, but it's, I'm not finished yet. Um, but there's several lines of 139, even though Joe read it beautifully, after my reflection, I'd like you, in, in light of what I said about love, to think about several of these lines of Psalm 139. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. That means he knows when we are scared. He knows when we are angry. He knows when we are questioning. We don't have to put on Sunday clothes and Sunday thoughts to be with our God. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. He knows our bad habits. He knows the stuff that we wish no one else would know about. He knows the stuff that we do in private that we don't want anyone to know about. And he loves us anyway. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Even before we say it, God knows it and loves us anyway. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? Nowhere. Nowhere. God is the air around us. We inhale God and we exhale God. God is everywhere. Not just in a church, not just in nature, but everywhere we are. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, 
and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. God sees us with, as if we are shining like the sun even in, when we're in our darkest moments. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. In closing, uh, I want to say, believe in the power of that love. Let yourself be embraced and in turn embrace. God is real, just as all these terrible things happening around us are real. But God's reality can overcome all, for in the end, God is love, and love never fails.